Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SMTR Presents. This is going to be about more Bungie leads and staff members leaving, and everyone's really concerned. I'm actually not concerned and not surprised either. We're going to talk about this. We're going to obviously try to be tasteful. We're not we're not happy to see people leave, but I'm not actually concerned about this. This is probably a necessary thing. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live, twitch.tv slash say no to rage. I'm probably live right now. This is being recorded on April 29th. So if new information has come out to contradict anything I've said, keep that in mind. I am recording this live on my stream April the 29th. This is a Monday. So a lot of folks are like, oh no, what's going on? More people are leaving. If you're just now catching up to this, up to now we've seen people like uh, John Wisniewski and Josh Hamrick leave. Uh, Claude Jerome left. He was another person that was on the like the sandbox team with Hamrick and Wisniewski kind of leading. Uh, they were usually in the videos talking about all the changes. And now we've got more people that have come out and said they are leaving. I don't think that we're done seeing people leave. I also think we may not even be seeing everybody leaving publicly. Uh, there could be other people quietly uh, leaving the company. But for now, we're going to walk through in this talk who left. We're going to talk about you know what's going on. We can obviously speculate a little bit and theorize. And then we're going to end by talking about unified vision. And that's kind of where I want to land and end with things because up to now, I don't think they've had a unified a unified vision for the game. So the big question is, well, who left? What is going on? Who's leaving the company? First and foremost, and probably most notable right now, is Joe Blackburn. He was the raid team lead for a while there, uh, and he was one of the ones most outspoken about the revived token system. If you go back, I don't. people said he got his position changed recently. I don't know what his position got changed to. All I know is that when Leviathan landed and the discussion of revive tokens was going on, he was the one sort of on the forefront of that discussion about why they did revive tokens, what their thought behind it was. I still to this day strongly disagree with the philosophy behind revive tokens. Not surprising, people in chat this morning were saying he was the one that worked on the Golgoroth fight. And for a long time, I said the 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 pain point that came from revive tokens that soft enrage where if people are dead for too long or you run out of tokens everybody wipes i always said it felt like the pain point from the golgoroth fight with the death totems and i said i don't think you can have a pain point like that be applied universally not surprising he seemed to be the one that sort of brought that about we don't know exactly who brought it about but he was the one on the forefront discussing the philosophy behind that system and then when it went through changes for the last wish he came out and talked about why it was still staying in the game but the the, kind of the thought process behind them toning it down a little bit so to a certain degree that all needs to be said because i think that's part of the larger discussion happening right now is there are people in positions or there were people in positions at bungie that were putting things in the game that in in some of our minds not everybody's but in some of our minds it felt out of step with raid design and philosophy behind design in D1 and Hamrick and Wisniewski and even Blackburn could have been somewhat out of step with you know what they wanted to do just in even in Forsaken which is the most recent sort of big tectonic shift in the game the other person to leave was Jill Shar she was a senior writer this is probably one of the one of the losses that'll be too understated anytime they lose writing staff I think that's a bit of a blow to Bungie because some of the best writing in the game 
has been there since the beginning honestly if you go back and read the lore cards from d1 a lot of the writing and the dialogue in forsaken was some of the best writing and dialogue they've put in the game thus far and then obviously anytime if you don't do this you probably should anytime you get an exotic take the time to read through that lore tab they do a very excellent job with the writing i've always thought the writing gets so underutilized because they could take some good voice actors and have them read through those lore tabs such good backstory and really good drama and such interesting sometimes developments behind you know just a gun and when it was developed and why so i've always thought the writing was underutilized so it's a it's a shame to see another person leave again i'm not super concerned but i think it is a loss when bungie loses writers now, in my mind, these are similar losses, though, to Hamrick and Wisniewski. These are people in pivotal positions and people that were instrumental into the game's design up to this point. So the big question is, what's going on? What, what is happening? Why are these people leaving? Why, you know, are they being fired? Or are they quitting? We don't actually know, but when I see people leaving publicly and graciously... I, number one, I expected this. I told people that Hamrick and Wisniewski wouldn't be the last people to leave, but... I think this is far better than leaving quietly. If they left quietly and didn't say anything and just sort of kind of drifted and changed their and changed their, you know, their LinkedIn and their and their Twitter profiles, I I think that would be more worrisome. The fact that they're publicly coming out and saying, these have been an amazing X number of years at Bungie, I'm so sad to leave, this and that. Or hearing rumors that Joe Blackburn got an offer to work on some dream job that you know that, that he couldn't pass up. That obviously could be playing a part. I would theorize from the from a foundational level, we don't have inside information. I think these were amicable exits. I don't think that they were fired. I don't think they were told to get the frick out. I think they came to an agreement about a couple of things that I'm going to kind of address at the end. So to this, I do think in light of the leaks that we got from Shadow of Anon the Nine, as well as Luke Smith being put at the head of the franchise... I expected there to be shakeups and and shifts like this, and it, that is normal in the corporate world. This isn't something that's abnormal to have to have leads shift around or even leave because they're trying to kind of shift the idea and the identity of the game, or just the idea and the identity of the company. Given the leaks as well about the game moving towards more to hardcore RPG sentimentality, some of these folks could have been in line with and in agreement with some of the philosophy that went into D2 vanilla not being not being very hardcore. So if they're going to pivot away from that, a lot of these folks could be saying that's not really the game that we want to help build because we really believed in the in the vision that went into D2 vanilla. And to be quite honest, we know that there's been creative dissonance at Bungie since 2013 when Joseph Stoughton showed his supercut and they basically said, that's not the game we want to build. They broke it apart and they delayed the game an entire year. I believe there has been creative dissonance in Bungie ever since and they were never in a position to really let anybody go or shake, you know, shape teams up because they were basically trying to recover so the whole road to the taken king and then we know that luke smith gets put in charge of destiny 2 late in the game 2016 he's got about a year and a half to build the game put the game back on course it gets rebooted again those contexts both the changing of destiny 1 and sort of the rebooting and the changing of destiny 2 both of those situations are not the time to like restructure teams or let people go you're kind of trying to get the game to limp to launch date and and the game was somewhat on life support then they had to do forsaken 
now is the time where they can kind of restructure and say, okay, we need to fix this creative dissonance in the company. We need to have a unified vision, which is the last portion of my talk. Unified vision is more than likely why this is happening. There is a remnant of folks that may or may not agree with the future that they're trying to take the game. We even had somebody this morning say they heard somebody who went to the very first summit you know tell that that josh hamrick was really trying to hold on to static roles they wanted one random role and people like that's not going to work you've got to go back to random roles i still think and hamrick was the one in the video that kind of said oh if you want to run three shotguns you can run three shotguns i always said that was kind of sleight of hand it wasn't a really true upgrade to the system it was better but it wasn't a true freedom the freedom they were trying to say we were getting i actually still think the weapon systems being held back by double primary because you have primaries in the energy slot i think that was a version of them quote unquote holding on to vanilla destiny 2 a lot of the problems that we pinpoint within the weapon system, within balance, within the lack of creativity with perks, within the lack of loot, I still believe we're being held back and we are underneath the shadow of double primary with respect to map design in the Crucible, the last wish being kind of cheesable and not that difficult once you figure out the damage structures. It felt like a lot of that might have been built for double primary. So I still think that remnant is present not only in Destiny 2, but probably remnant and left behind within the staff structure of Bungie and if Luke Smith wants to take the game to a hardcore RPG and wants to unify the vision of the departments these are the people that either have to get in line with those philosophies or they're going to have to part ways I believe that's what's going on that's why I'm not concerned I think this is this is actually normal as well as somewhat healthy if we want the game to evolve into a different version of itself Much of Desi 2 vanilla thinking and philosophy needs to be jettisoned, not just from the game, but from the staff, from the people in charge. And if you look at how much Forsaken in the annual pass seemed to be held back by D2 vanilla, the hope would be with the beginning of Destiny 2's next annual pass this year, as well as their vision casting internally for Destiny 3, they need people to get behind the new identity of Destiny, which I believe will be vastly different than where it's been up to now, especially Destiny 2 Vanilla being so casualified with static roles and easily easily accessible you know, uh, items and double primary. All that needs to go away. So I'm I'm not worried. I'm actually excited to see these level of shakeups mean they're probably really trying to push the game into another lane and to higher heights. And in order to do that, sometimes you got to kind of shake things up and get people out of positions and new blood and new minds and new eyes. So as with all of my content, if you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can catch me live, twitch.tv slash say no to rage. As with all of my content, I appreciate you listening and watching. Please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a question and answer session that came after my talk about more Bungie leads and staff leaving the company and why I'm not concerned, and this is actually a normal thing. Uh, We theorized a little bit about why it's happening. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live, twitch.tv slash say no to rage. Uh, I'm probably streaming right now. That's typically when these go live. If I'm not streaming, throw my Twitch stream a follow. And if you're watching on YouTube, hitting the like and the subscribe button is a free and easy way to support me. So let's jump right into the questions here. Uh, Anna Ray Senpai, why do you think 
Uh, why do you still talk about outdated rumors of the Tiger engine being slow to work with and bad? They're free and publicly available. GDC talks discuss stuff like their improved content iteration and asset pipeline in D2 compared to D1. Okay, do you do you see evidence of that in what they've given us in D2? Because I certainly haven't. They can say that all they want at the GDC. Upgrading the Tiger engine to be better doesn't negate the, the, the leaks either. There were leaks that talked about how they still struggled to make content quickly. So I'm not using outdated information. There were leaks post-Destiny 2's launch that indicated they were still struggling to make content quickly. So when they go to the GDC and they want to they want to they want to talk about iterations or upgrades they've made to the engine to make it quicker, I, I haven't seen proof of that in the game itself um, and in their delivery either. Now, annual pass would be a, a, a perfect example. In the annual pass, we've gotten almost nothing. We got in, okay. So Black Armory, we got a great raid. That's true. We got four forges that virtually did nothing. They were rooms with ads and a ball throwing mechanic. And then in Season of the Drifter, we got, what, two new maps, new mechanics for Gambit Prime, and then we got the Reckoning, which is one activity, one environment. I I have a really hard time taking what they say at face value. If I'm supposed to believe they've somehow skyrocketed productivity and their ability to give us better stuff you know in the new, in the new upgraded engine now again gdc is supposed to be like for de- it's it's developers right it's developers talking about advances that they've made they may have in many respects basically saying hey we've we've made big advancements with our engine but that doesn't mean that it's the best engine to build the game in right now i just i have a really hard time thinking that they're that they're in a position to talk about efficiency and agility um with you know how long updates take uh you know is i don't know i i don't feel like things get updated quick at all uh in this game and that i think is is all the proof i need that that something else is going on even and and as somebody in chat said you know if you upgrade a pile of crap it's still a pile of crap i'm not i don't want to call their engine a pile of crap but it seems to be one of the leading causes for pain in their development cycles up to this point. And what they've said at the GDC, I just don't think we've seen evidence of that in what's been delivered in Destiny 2. More cat. Do you think this will result in another 11th hour reboot uh, like D1-D2? At this point, I'm very concerned D3 will need another reboot from the game. No, one of the reasons I think that, you know, we, we got radio silence from Luke Smith all the way until that TWAB where he was quietly announced as the head of the franchise. Um, that I don't think I don't think they started working on Destiny 3 or anything they were doing for Destiny 3 got immediately halted. I think in the months, in the wakes of D2's launch, okay, in the wakes of D2's launch, I think they said, we have got to halt all production of Destiny 3 and immediately start thinking about how we fix Destiny 2, and that will serve as our springboard for the next game. That's what I think happened. I think what happened with Destiny 2 was that Destiny 2 was so far in development that the reception of the Taken King was sort of their moment of like, we need to we need to completely 
restructure Destiny 2 and put Luke Smith in charge, which is what they essentially did. Like, we don't have internal, we don't have internal documentation as to what the reasoning was, but I don't think it's hard to see the timing of Luke Smith being put in charge of Destiny 2 was extremely late, and it seemed to come on the heels of the success of the Taken King. In this case, I think they knew right away that D2, in many respects, was a failure. It was maybe a month in before the 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 chip the the paint had so much chips in it, the varnish had worn off. It was like this is not a good game. This is not structured for the Destiny fan base. I even theorized that why they while they were working on uh, while they were working on the. The Forsaken DLC, I feel like Luke Smith approached Bungie and basically pitched his vision for Destiny 3. So everybody's working on Forsaken. Luke Smith kind of goes dark. We don't really hear anything from him. My theory is that at that point in time, he pitched a vision for Destiny 3 that led to the split with Activision and ultimately him being put in charge of the franchise as well as the people leaving that are leaving. I don't think he like said get rid of these people, but I said I think he kind of went and said we need a unified vision. This is the game I think we need to build. This is how we can build it. And if we can get Forsaken in the annual pass to get us to this date and time, I believe we can build a true Destiny three in this amount of time. So I think he pitched Destiny three to Bungie higher ups, and the restructuring began. Forsaken launches, annual pass launches, on the heels of those things, we get an announcement that Activision is no longer going to be working with Bungie, they're going to go to self-publishing, and then on the heels of that announcement, we get Luke Smith basically being announced as head of the franchise. So, I don't think it's difficult to see that this is a very different, this is a very different situation than what happened with Destiny 1. Destiny 1 launches to almost no praise at all and they spend that entire first year delivering DLC and trying to you know kind of repair and then once for once Taken King is successful they put Luke Smith in charge in this situation Destiny 2 lands as a completely different version of Destiny lands to initial praise and then after that there's nothing but complaint they do a community summit they try to fix the game they try to restructure the game Forsaken lands. While they're doing that, I believe they completely halted Destiny 3's production to say we're not going to do anything. More than likely, while the Taken King was being built, they were working on Destiny 2, and then Destiny 2 gets restructured and rebooted because Taken King gets so praised, they're like, okay, that's not even remotely what we were building. We were building you know, another version of what essentially Destiny 1 was. Um, so I, I think we're in, I think we're in better shape, but I think again, as I said in the talk, I, I think it's undeniable from the leaks and from what we've gotten and from the changes that needed to take place. There has been creative dissonance at Bungie for a really, really long time. And this is how you get rid of that creative dissonance. You have to, you have to have a unified vision. Excuse me coordinator says heavy weapons are sparse and linear fusions feel like they should be moved to the special category what would your idea be for a new heavy weapon types 
Um, I don't really have any ideas for new heavy weapon types. I think swords should be energy weapons. Uh, linear fusions could probably, yeah, go up into that slot too because they're basically just snipers. Um, I think trace rifles, there should be legendary versions of trace rifles. There should be way more trace rifles in the game. Way, way more futuristic weapons should be in the game instead of everybody running around with hand cannons and shotguns. Um, we're, we're in a game full of space magic and everybody's running around with like cliche loadouts from most shooters. Uh, so I would that, that would be a change I would make as well. Um, but yeah, I, linear fusions and swords feel really out of place in the heavy slot. Grenade launchers are in a better place. I still think they should get way more ammo to function like a machine gun. Uh, the extra ammo serving as sort of a, a backstop against like, whoa, yeah, it's a weaker version. Rocket launchers too are just freaking not, still just not that good. Um, I still think they should say, you know two in the chamber, a lot more damage, you know, faster maybe faster reload times it's just really, really hard to justify using rockets right now You just, you're, I feel like, unless you're on a rally barricade or a Luna Faction Riff, it, they just they're too slow, uh, I feel like I can dole out more damage with a grenade launcher than a rocket launcher at this point, if you have a good grenade launcher with spike nades you can do a lot of damage with a grenade launcher so there, there's more. I would do more with the existing heavy weapons than I would start creating new ones. That would, that would be what I would decide to do. Which employees left, and do you know what they did? We already talked about this. Jo, uh, Joe Blackburn was raid design lead. He got moved to a different position, like game design lead or something. And then um, Jill, Jill Shar left, and she was a, uh, a one of the head writers, a senior writer. Next question. Will cross-save ever happen? Well, we did a talk about this recently about how cross-save was blocked by Sony, and we don't know if the Sony exclusives are coming to an end. We've not heard anything from Bungie about this. Uh, They could be coming to an end. They could be expiring this September and then not being renewed and then that would enable them to start working on cross-play, cross-save potentials uh, since apparently it was looked into to the point that it had to be, you know, blocked and said, you know, no, Sony didn't want that. They wanted Destiny to be essentially a Sony product and that doesn't work if you allow cross-play. That hurts the exclusivity and it hurts the punch of, uh, Here's the punch of, of everything they paid for, basically. So I would think um, they're going to be moving away. Like, that's just been my theory, is that after the Activision split, they're going to move away from those exclusivity deals and then uh, move toward cross-save and cross-play. I think that's the future. I think it'd be much better for the franchise. I think if you had blended public spaces... Um, you know, you start doing matchmaking for stuff like Blind Well and Escalation Protocol and... Re, you know, the Infinite Forest has, has, has basically got matchmaking right now. It had it in the Haunted Forest and it has it in the in the Verdant Forest. In the Verdant Forest. I would think with more players in, you know, cross-play environments like that, it could work really well. Now, people always freak out about PvP, but you have to remember that cross-play would not happen in PvP unless you initiated it. That's how it works in Fortnite. 
you're only in a crossplay environment if you initiate and you blend your lobby then you go into blended lobbies you're not going to boot up on your PS4 or your Xbox and suddenly be facing like some stacked team of PC players uh, I would think they uh, I would think they could they could easily implement it now <clears throat> how could they implement cross save that would be a lot easier than cross play cross save would be as simple as doing data synchronization with the bungie.net servers because all of your stuff's already there um, everything is there you can go and you can change you can go and you can change your loadout on bungie.net you don't have to boot up the game you don't have to do any of that you can literally go and change your loadout on bungie.net the reason you can do that is because that's where everything is stored nothing is actually stored on your console um, so it's not beyond reason to say why couldn't I just open up my you know destiny on Xbox and then open it up on PS4 and it just pulls everything down from the from the bungie.net servers I don't think it was an accident that the wave splitter like quote unquote accidentally started dropping for people I don't think that was an accident I think that was on purpose. I think it was manufactured. They did that so people would be like, wait a minute, we have the gun now. Oh, it's grayed out. That's a way to prove that cross-save could be a thing. Like, I don't know. It seemed very very strange in the timing that that happened with the wave splitter and then all of a sudden the cross-save dialogue started and there were articles written about it. Like, in, in very, very close proximity to each other that that whole thing I don't know that just felt that just felt calculated to me do you think Peter Dinklage would come back I don't think there's any reason to bring him back at this point um you know if they asked him to that'd be cool that'd be pretty nostalgic but I don't think there's a reason to I also think his his uh his voice acting fee is probably a lot higher these days (laughs) galaxy beams with the recent departure of so many veteran staff do you think d3 might totally change its image and identity or is it something deeper going on uh and bungie's days are numbered i answered this in my talk i think it's a philosophy and identity change uh i am skolos while listening to a stream of someone who was at the summit they stated that hamrick was still uh trying to hold on to static roles while having one uh, roll, while what one perk be randomly rolled, and we know that Wisniewski was the one that pushed for double primary. Is it possible that people leaving is because of what's best for the future of the game? Sorry for the long one. I mentioned this in the talk on purpose because I was glad I saw this question submitted before I did the talk, and so I kind of added that to the dialogue. I think th- this adds credence to what I said in my talk. I think there were people left over from the D2 vanilla philosophy of static roles, double primary. Think about it like this, okay? Destiny 2 was not developed in a vacuum by some wicked, evil person who was like, I've got an idea. Let's completely get rid of grind and let's do static roles and let's do double primary. Destiny 2 came to be because there were people at the company that brought it about design leads team leads that went to meetings and said let's do this this is how we should implement it or they went to meetings that that sort of like they parsed through what they want to do with the next game and they went back to their teams and said this is what we're doing 
So it's not beyond the scope of reason that Hamrick and Wisniewski and Blackburn were in some measure part of the philosophy and the idea think tank that led to D2 Vanilla. Now, I'm not hanging Destiny 2 Vanilla on their necks. What I'm saying is, is these guys and these gals that have left the company could have very likely been the sorts of people to say, I don't agree with what we're doing in Forsaken. I don't agree with what we're doing in the next annual pass. I don't agree with where you're taking the game. And that's not helpful for your your teams to be unified. That's not helpful for your vision and your philosophy to be unified. All you have to do is read that big long article about Anthem to see that when you have creative dissonance, it is poison and it erodes efficiency. You can't build a game without good decision makers. You can't build a game without unified decisions being made. So, I don't know. And I don't know if Blackburn, even if Blackburn was responsible for Wrath Eugene, Blackburn was also the forefront of the discussion in the public about about um, revive tokens. He defended revive tokens. He, de- he talked about why they implemented them. When they shifted them, but still left them in the game, he talked about why they felt like they still needed to be around. Joe Blackburn, even if he was behind Wrath, even if he's behind Wrath, I don't know if that's true or not. I thought the live team was behind. Um, well, no, the live team didn't build Wrath. Obviously, the raid team did, but still, somebody built Wrath. Um, he, him having a hand in every raid except for Vogue doesn't change the fact that he seemed to be the one that think Revive Tokens was a system that needed, you know, implemented across all fights, and not surprising. I told people that the revive token was essentially the soft enrage from the Golgoroth fight, right? I, I told people that. You go back and watch my talks. I said, I said this feels like a soft in. This feels like the soft enrage from the Golgoroth fight. Like anybody, if too many people die, you all get wiped. And I always spoke out against that, saying that one size fits all approach to a pain point. I don't think is healthy, and not surprising. Joe Blackburn's name on Twitter was Joe Garoth. I, I think people took that as, and people were even saying in chat this morning that he was the one that helped design the Golgoroth fight. Well, if that's true, then it again that just that adds more credence to what I'm saying. It's like this was a one-size-fits-all pain point that just didn't belong in the rest of the raids. Even if, even if we give him credit where credit is due, and said he worked on some of the best raids in Destiny once he was at the helm they did things to raid design that i don't agree with they got rid of the the prestige version of leviathan was terrible the revive token system was terrible then scourge comes out they get rid of the entire idea of doing hard versions of the raid they jettisoned so many of the value points that we had in d1 raids revive tokens are far from static rolls of a primary loot philosophy it's all part of the same ball of wax eugene Static rolls, easily accessible loot, double primary, and revive tokens are all part of a casualification of the game. They wanted raids to be where everybody was alive. We didn't want people to be carried through raids. We didn't want bad players to be dead and get drugged through a fight, right? He was behind Wrath of the Machine, but then Wrath of the Machine was the most clutchable raid in Destiny. They pushed against that entire philosophy with Leviathan. No clutches. No hero moments. Everyone has to be alive. We don't want 
want any lead-footed dum-dums, any bad players left out. That is all part of the same vision that death that brought about Destiny 2. We have to help the casual player. It's all part of the same vision, I believe. And ultimately, I think they were significant mistakes to the raid design and the feel of those raids. Double primary and revive tokens were just acid on the fun that could have been had in Leviathan. So, again, I'm not hanging Destiny 2 Vanilla on their necks. I'm saying it's just very, very likely that they had vision and philosophy differences about where Destiny should go because they were a part of Destiny 2 Vanilla, which at every layer was an enormous shift, an enormous shift from Destiny 1. Humongous. Uh, Whether you want to talk about the revive, double primary, static rolls, clan engrams, giving people raid gear, uh, how easy it was to get legendaries. I mean, all of it. It's all part of the same. It's all part of the same animal. It's all part of the same animal. And that's ultimately what I think is going on. That's why I'm not concerned. I'm like, if Blackburn and others were instrumental and part of the lead, the the, the leadership behind what happened in D2 Vanilla, they could have still been holding on to that. If if this if this question from I am Skolas is to be believed, if Hamrick if Hamrick was at the summit really pushing for we still need to keep static rolls in there, let's do one randomly rolled perk. If that's to be believed, if that's true, then that's exactly what I'm talking about. The remnant of the philosophy, that remnant of those ideas about what you could do with with Destiny was was still very much present in the, in the teams and Hamrick and Wisniewski if Wisniewski was really behind double primary think about that if Hamrick really pushed for static rolls Wisniewski really pushed for double primary if Joe Blackburn really pushed for revive tokens all of that is a philosophical shift um, is a philosophical shift from what we had been doing in raids and endgame content up to that point whether it's the engrams that were you could farm public events for or earn them from clans or the fact that they didn't want anybody dead when a raid in- encounter was beat is a focus on casual players multiple people have said that's what he said yeah I mean multiple people have quoted Hamrick so I love Hamrick I hated to see him leave I thought he did a better job recently in VidDocs really capturing what needed to be done for the game but again if they sit down to vision cast D3 and you have all these department leads pushing against where Luke Smith wants to take the game that doesn't work leadership has to be in line there has to be a unified vision and there's been creative dissonance since 2013 CP4 Gators, what content do you need to see in Opulence to save the future of the franchise? What would boost confidence? It needs to be substantive. There needs to be an undeniable amount of content added, both with respect to, you know, to uh, perks, guns, uh, the content itself needs to be good. You need to be able to go in and, and, and enjoy it. I, I think I think they've got, I think they learned a lot from Forge. I think they learned a lot from from Drifter. Now, how much of that could be implemented? That's going to be remain that's going to remain to be seen. We don't know how much they are going to be able to implement that they learn from both of those. I mean, they made some changes that to uh they made changes to the structure of Drifter by like letting you do uh reckoning tier 1 like right away. I think that was a punt. 
I think they, they I think tier one and tier two reckoning was added. I don't think that was initially in the design. It's why the, it's why it's it's one of the reasons why I think the armor makes no sense. Uh, the armor makes no sense because I don't think that initially when they conceived of reckoning and that armor, I think the tier one, tier two armor had to be added because I think they added tier one and tier two to make the content more accessible at the beginning. I think they wanted people to be able to jump in right away because one of the primary complaints about season of the forge was that you couldn't play the forges right away. So I believe tier one and tier two were tack ons, which is why the armor system feels so strange and doesn't seems it seems to not make any sense. Like why are you why are you even having tier one, tier two armor if ultimately that armor ends up leaving and being completely unnecessary? Uh, why would you even grind for it, right? That's that's a significant I think indicator that potentially they added tier one, tier two as a response to player feedback that we want to be able to jump in day one and play and they let people do that and it led to in some respects content that wasn't that good um, unfortunately so reckoning is bad at its core but then when you add tier one and tier two it adds insult to injury because those you know those those armor sets that you get from tier one and tier two are are just com- a complete and utter waste. Like there's no reason to even use them. Uh, true, Rob. Do you believe Destiny could do uh, do with next DLC? Oh, what do you believe they could do with next DLC? I don't think we're getting a comet uh, DLC. Uh, I I believe the Shadow of Anon the Nine leaks because. I had a version of that prediction after the Activision split. For the longest time, this is what I was telling people. I said, I bet you we get another another Comet-sized DLC. They're going to call it Taken Queen, and then they'll do another annual pass. That was what my prediction was. After they broke ties with Activision, I said, I wouldn't be surprised if that limits bandwidth and shifts and shifts direction to what they're actually going to do is they're going to take whatever was intended for September and they're going to split that up and use that for their annual pass to get more capital out of it to get more longevity out of it and according to Shadow of an on the Nine that's very close to what's going to happen annual pass 2.0 is going to have a bigger kickoff whatever we get in September is going to be larger than anything we got in this annual pass but then after that it's going to be another trickle another drip fee um, so they're kind of combining forces. That makes sense if you think about it. If they are trying to pivot some bandwidth and some staff and creative forces to Destiny 3, then it makes sense that they would try um, to give us less, but also, you know, keep us playing um, with with the next, you know, whatever they do beyond Season of Opulence. What exotics do you want to see return? I really don't want to see exotics return. I like to get new exotics. Uh, Murph Dog, like you said, maybe all the staff changes are because Bungie is trying to make D3 RPG heavy story driven games steer away from comp PvP. What are your thoughts? I I mean, w- w- we'll just have to wait and see exactly what they want to do with Crucible. I continue to think that they're going to move away from competitive Crucible. I don't think it's worked. I think it just is a continued um, struggle. You're trying to wear somebody else's shoes. Uh, and I think because of that, I think because of that, you're going to see Destiny 3's PvP be larger, uh, bigger scale environments, bigger scale battles to give the space magic more room to breathe. And I think the stripped down, small, competitive PvP will go away. Um, 
because what Deej essentially said when he responded to the community, he said that the Crucible will retain its essence of being player versus player. What he was pushing against when he said that was the belief that PvP was going to become PvPVE, which is which came from both Shadow of Another Nine, myself, and other other leaders in the community that were saying Gambit seems to be the focus. They're investing more in Gambit than the Crucible. And then Shadow of Another Nine had leaks that said there's going to be PvPVE environments in the next game, similar to Planetside. Well, all that created a dialogue that was like PvP is going away. Everything's going to be PvPVE. And and Deej was like, no, the Crucible's evolving and changing, but it will retain its essence of being player versus player. So I would think when he says that, if that's the only if that's the only part of the crucible that's being retained, I would anticipate significant changes. Um so 14 months from Agent Smith, thank you. Tom Cruise, if I missed your six month resub, I'm sorry. Welcome back as well. Those are some big resubs, guys. Thank you. Thank you for keeping your prime subs here as well, those of you that are doing that. Hood Dog, what's up, Lono? Do you think this is the point we realize that PvP will no longer be what we once knew, as well as leading to more MMORPG? This is very similar to the last question. I think you guys maybe like fed off of each other, um, or there was just dialogue in the chat that kind of led to these two questions being submitted uh, in close proximity. I literally just kind of answered this. Um, it would be a natural balancing to the power of heavies, supers, special weapons, abilities. All those things get sort of naturally balanced when you when you give the, the game way more room to breathe. I have continued to say that I don't think power weapons are the problem. I don't think abilities like shoulder charge are the problem or shotguns. Or even the Lunas and the Not Forgotten, if they were to if they were to standardize bloom and recoil and in air accuracy, right? If they would fix that problem, I don't think those guns are the problem. I think the fact that you're always on top of each other, it's the rhythm with which you are killed by those things that is the problem. Every map favors shotguns and hand cannons, uh, and it's really really easy to utilize. It's really, really easy, I think, to utilize a lot of the, um, that's not going to work. It's going to, you know, you can utilize a lot of the abilities and the power ammo and your supers to greater efficiency on the maps because they're incredibly small. Someone in chat is quoting Luke Smith from an interview in 2017, May of 2017, on D2 Weapon Slots. For me personally, one thing I'm most excited about in an action game is the ability to truly specialize. I like to run goofy builds that work sometimes when I'm not trying hard. I'll run double double primaries, uh, precision shotgun. So now I can do that, blah, blah, blah. There's so much more to do and have flexibility of these new slots. I think it's awesome. I'm surprised he defended double primary. I thought there were interviews where he said the exact opposite. Robbie, thank you for six months of subs. Dude, that's half a year. I don't, I mean, I don't know. In that, at that point in time, May, right? The game's about to come out. I don't think Luke Smith can afford to speak in an unfavorable way about the game. Um, I think that would have been strange to come out and say, yeah, double primary is not really my preference. Hopefully people like it. I mean, he kind of has to play the, he kind of has to play to the PR fiddle, uh, at that point. He can't, he can't decide to, to kind of, I don't know, sell the game down the river and act like, yeah, it's not that good. I don't like it that much. You know, I don't know. I think he was just trying to, to put the game in a good light. And if you listen to what he's saying, you kind of see through it a little bit. You're like, really? 
you know is that you get you're gonna run two sidearms it's almost like he's kind of being cheeky at the same time like who the frick's gonna run two sidearms he even says silly builds right i don't know that doesn't seem it it doesn't honestly matter at this point if you think about it because they jettison double primary they jettison static rolls and luke smith has a history of being more in hardcore rpg circles and sentimentality so I trust him with the franchise more than probably anybody else uh, at the company um, just because of the history and things that have happened so Evil the Waffler I'm confused how would Destiny be more RPG style and if not RPG how would what would you consider it I mean it would be more RPG style because I think once you start looking at a lot of what they did um a lot of what they did with with the RPG elements of Destiny is they're very, they're like almost like tutorial esque. Y- you look at the subclasses; they're they're not really letting you choose anything. They're not really even giving you a lot of freedom. You just kind of pick and then go. Imagine if you could pick Way of a Thousand Cuts, and then there were all sorts of different abilities down inside Way of a Thousand Cuts that could be leveled up and iterated on. Right, go play Elder Scrolls Online and then pick like one ability and then that ability can change and evolve and morph and be different as time goes on. Not only that, but once you pick an ability, you can pick other abilities to complement it and then you dig down on those and you make those stronger. Like, there's so much depth to the way that they structure ESO. When you look at Destiny, it's kind of like a tutorial introduction in into like what it would look like to even have that kind of freedom perks on guns as well i could see them doing significantly more what imagine with me okay imagine when you open up a gun there are mag perks damage perks um uh, mag perks, damage perks, reload perks. What if there's a perk for everything here? Impact, range, stability, handling, reload speed. So let's just imagine that there's five perks here that influence those stats to some degree, okay? And maybe instead of having one that impacts, um, you know, impact, because they want to standardize damage, right? Maybe we do an element perk instead. But let's just say you got five. Okay, and all those can roll random and there's multiple bubbles to pick. Now I want you to imagine beneath all of those perks is a modifier. There's a modifier for your range, your stability, your handling, your reload perks. All those perks. So you get a god roll weapon. You're like, it has the reload, it has the mag perk, it has the range, the handling, all of that. Now I'm going to add mods to each of those lanes. I'm going to make reload, you know, a little bit slower, but I'm going to gain more more bullets on successive reloads or something. I don't know. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. You evolve the idea of, like, rampage spec and dragonfly spec. Instead of saying, here are mods to specific perks, it would be mods to that particular lane that you could add things to it. So, what when you have that you already completed this oh i've already done these on this character that's interesting um 
when you have that, I think once you start once you start leaning into that lane, you're dealing with now that would feel like more of an RPG. Your weapons would have depth, your skill trees would have depth. There there would be so much like you could spend a week just trying to get a particular gun where you want it. That's way more RPG in its build and its structure than we presently have. What we presently have is very, very rudimentary, you know, everything. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think one of the charms about Destiny is that the guns feel great and the game feels awesome. And that appeals to people that don't really want to think about all the things I just outlined. And that would be part of the challenge is they'd have to say, you know, how far can we, can, how far can we take this down the line before we start to push away uh, certain types of players that love Destiny? You know, the more casual mom, dad, or college student that just wants to shoot baddies and they work and they're really busy, so they play for a couple hours a night. They've loved Destiny since its inception, but they don't really care to get into all the depth and everything we just talked about, right? How do you keep them happy? if the game retains that accessibility and the fun and how cool it feels and the min-maxing and the depth and the depth isn't necessary but what what if it is necessary for like the hardcore end game stuff that's where you have to draw the line you have to say if you're going to allow people to have that level of customization and depth what's the reasoning behind it it would have to be areas of the game and content structure that doesn't appeal to casuals so then you wouldn't feel like you're you're missing out well i don't have an absolute god rolled god specced hand cannon well you wouldn't feel the need for the absolute god roll god specced hand cannon because you hover in the lower hemisphere of the content right the strikes the the public events the the bounties etc but if somebody wants to go into and this is where difficulty spectrum is needed in destiny if somebody wants to increase difficulty in the strikes the public events the bounties whatever the frick right wherever it is they're going wherever it is they hang out you have to have those things being more harmonious because right now they could add all those things and you'd be like what's the what's the what the frick is the point i don't need to be that strong nothing is that challenging nothing requires that much damage i'm already stronger than 90 percent of the content nothing really puts me on my heels you know obviously when you're delta scaled in the last wish that's you you are kind of put on your heels but that's cheap and eventually that gets eroded with time eventually folks are like yeah, the delta scale doesn't matter. You know, I, I'm I'm stronger than everything. I'm stronger than the delta, or I'm at the delta, so the content's now kind of trivial. Um, so in in my mind, whenever whenever you're trying to create incentives, the loot cannot be the end. There has to be content that you take the loot. I do feel like a lot of companies, this is where they kind of trip on themselves. They create really cool stuff to chase, and then they're kind of like, well, now what? This is where the... This is where the uh, the system that they have in uh, Diablo with the... Uh, the the rifts and the seasons make sense right you're the, the game's always kind of pushing forward there's always new stuff to chase there's always not just new stuff to chase but new places to take the loot new harder places to go and when you have that environment it's easy to see it's easy to see 
why am I chasing the stuff? If you're only chasing the stuff for the sake of chasing it, that's where things break down. In flames, how do you feel about the exotic catalysts that are in the old raids being removed and put somewhere else? I would freaking love that because I would love to get the Telesto or the Sleeper Catalyst and not have to go run old content. Uh, Crimson Link, do you think that with the loss of the raid lead will probably affect more of Destiny 3 than the remainder of D2? I'd presume most plans have already been executed for fall of 2019. That's actually a really good question. That's actually a really good question. I didn't consider the fact that that probably means... What does that mean for raids in the next annual pass? You know, what does that mean, uh, you know, for all those things? I, I would think... I would think they, uh... I would think that they're going to potentially in the next annual pass not do raids. Or do the smaller raids. Um, I don't know. That's a difficult one. I hadn't actually thought about that because we're getting a raid in opulence and raids have kind of become tent, not like, I don't know about tent pole activity. I don't know what the right word to use is, but I definitely feel like there's an element to the raids that is a huge piece of the marketing. He wasn't raid lead. That is true. We are forgetting that. He was no longer raid lead at the time of his departure. His job had changed, which which means that baton got passed to somebody else, probably. Um, and they are more than likely then hopefully heading up whatever we get next. Air Inhaler. Would you like to see Destiny be a game that builds upon itself, having all raids, strikes, and crucible maps, and constantly updating stories so there is more content to do with more weapons, or do you think the idea would fit with Destiny in general? This is where I think difficulty spectrum could come into play, and you could say, you know, hey, uh, you know, difficulty spectrum could make those old raids viable again the you increase the difficulty of the raid and after increasing the difficulty of the raid maybe that opens up new loot uh new new pursuits new something um i don't know i would think that there's potential there but they have to be careful i for one have been a proponent of leaving raids behind but if you went back in revisited the loot gave it new stuff gave it new perks maybe I would be okay I'd be okay with them doing that if it were tied to difficulty spectrum if it's not tied to difficulty spectrum then my concern would be you would basically just go and beat the crap out of the raid for power is that's essentially what we do now right we're like well we are trying to get you know to the new power levels and we use the old raids on you know for that only there's no new loot there's no new pursuits you're basically just going in there and using it to try to get uh you know to try to get the new the new power level you're not going in there because there's new loot um and it's not any harder if anything it's easier because number one you're well practiced at it and you have all the you know probably all the best stuff uh, I know I'm arguing for things I generally don't like all that much, like delta scaling. But if I could, if I could grind for a while before going into that new, harder version of, you know, the old raid that got that just got repurposed or whatever, and then when doing that, there would be like new things to chase. 
that would be different than feeling like there's one raid every season that they you know they come out with and I gotta grind my face off to get ready to be part of like the day one you know runs um I don't know to me I always feel like that's part of the problem with how they treat the raids and if they used all of them and repurposed them um I would think I would think if they did that I'd only be okay with it if that was how they did it I want them to be repurposed I want them to be brought up to snuff given new loot not just like oh yeah you can keep using the old raids to get you know your power up because then people just that's you're sort of abusing the content at that point raids are not meant to be in my mind raids are not meant to be that raids are meant to be pinnacle activities with pinnacle gear not well it's really easy now and I need power level so I'm gonna go and do these raids that aren't really hard anymore you know you're trivializing them you're just turning them into a transaction of time for easy power level instead of it being like oh we've changed a few things it's harder and there's new loot inside um now this obviously creates really really good um repurposing structure but then you gotta be worried about are people gonna complain that everything's just being reskinned I'm always okay with stuff being repurposed but that's always that's always a potential criticism from the community is oh you're just re, you're just you're just recycling everything reskin 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 you know people always get mad about the the reskins Salty Waiter do you think the fact that Bungie makes the changes and nerfs for PC and consoles because they're planning to implement crossplay or cross save um the fact that they make the same changes I don't necessarily know if that's the reason why. Um, we need to be careful about reading too much into uh, every decision that Bungie makes. There there are times where there's other reasons behind what's going on and we don't necessarily see those. That could be one of the potential reasons. Right? They could be like, well, we want to eventually have cross-save and cross-play and we want to make sure the entire way leading up to that we don't we don't separate the games too much across platforms um i don't think that's the primary motivator though i don't think i just think they're trying to keep the game whole uh cgz what sort of rpg elements would you like to see added to d3 if any at all i feel like adding more stat rolls to gear and bonuses would extend the life and improve build making end game sorry if this is repetitive i already kind of outlined what i thought they should do you know you have a perk a perk per stat you know each perk has some way of influencing one stat i also think if they were to do that they need to go back to the idea of things like hand laid stock and brace frame where if you equip hand laid stock you get stability but you lose range if you equip brace frame you get stability but you lose um you lose you know some of your mag stuff like that i think when they do that i think it makes more sense because then sure you can be like oh i'm gonna put this thing on it's really gonna buff my range but then you lose something else and then you could say well if i really 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 want this perk that's gonna hurt range i can go for this range perk that's gonna make up some of that differences you know now you're min maxing with just within the gun tree itself and i think that can be that can be really really good too because then it's not a matter of searching for you know one particular role there could be a couple different versions of 
rolls of weapons that with the right mods and with the right complementary perks could achieve essentially the same thing. So you could have like, you know, three or four quote unquote god rolls that if rolled properly and modded properly could be pretty dope. Uh, Steiner, do you think Bungie devs will work on removing Bloom and Flinch? I have no idea, dude. The community strongly spoke out against enhancement cores and Bungie dug their heels in, so I wouldn't hold your breath. Um, hots take, uh, WTF hots taken, or shots taken. Do you think Bungie is in a good spot and going in a good direction? We don't know much, but I'll be honest. If nobody was leaving, this is going to sound really, really weird. If nobody was leaving the company, I would actually be more concerned. I would be more concerned because a lot of people are like, what's going to keep them from making the same mistakes again? What's going to keep them from doing the exact same thing they did the last time? You know, you want to know how that's not going to happen? They're restructuring. That's, that's freaking clear as day. People are leaving. Big, influential team leads are leaving. That gives me more hope than if everybody stayed. If everybody stayed, I'd be like, there's the, there's the potential that things just don't go where we want them to go. You know, if Hamrick is sitting at the at the first summit and trying to push for static roles to basically stay in the game, if Wisniewski was behind double primary, I, you know, that they're free to think that and push for that, but that's not going to help the game transcend where it kind of got stuck. And in some respects, I think a lot of the game is still being held back by those things. We've talked about this, about the map design, the the structure of the Last Wish raid. There's so many things that seem to still be influenced by, by double primary. So I, I'm, I'm gen- I genuinely mean this. I would be more concerned if nobody was leaving. You have too much trust and hope in Bungie. Four years of question marks being prevalent all throughout Destiny should be a simple answer of how Bungie works. I don't think you work there, you know? I I think anything that's come out from the leaks has indicated that they've had creative dissonance since Vanilla D1 got delayed. And I think that, to me, points to it's far more healthy to restructure. Like I said, I would be more concerned if nobody was leaving. Because if nobody's leaving, then you're more than likely going to have similar pushback in departments and similar ideas in these departments that led to D2 Vanilla, that led to, you know, the need for Forsaken. So, I I don't know. They, a lot of these folks have been around for a really, really long time, and... If, if the internal things that we've heard about their influence are to be believed then I would say new blood. You have to have a unified vision. Um, and that's not me hanging Destiny 2 on their neck. That's just... If you if you want to build... Imagine, okay? Imagine De- Diablo 3, okay? Imagine Diablo 3 at launch. And then I want you to imagine Diablo 3 Reaper of Souls, okay? The people that worked on Diablo 3 at launch had ideas and visions and philosophies for what that game should be that ultimately, ultimately are not in line with what the game became with Reaper of Souls. So if you could time travel and you took the people that were instrumental for Reaper of Souls and you shoved them through a time machine, you said, go back and talk to the dudes working on, you know, Diablo 3 at launch. You know what would probably happen? They would probably butt heads. 
They're like, we don't want to do that. We think this is the right path. We think this is the way we should go. And if they weren't allowed to say they were from the future, like, we're from the future, you're going the wrong direction. If they just went back and tried to influence the development of Diablo 3, you would have conflict, you would have dissonance, you would have disagreement and tension. More than likely, Forsaken was probably born out of a lot of disagreements. There were probably really heated meetings where people were like, no, this is too foundational, this is too, we've done way too much, we've done too much to the game. You can't do that, you can't go random roll. You can't get rid of double primary. There were probably people that thought, no, we need to not do this. And there could have been a little bit of an air of, I told you so, floating around the office. How many people said double primary is a mistake? Static rolls are a mistake. There could have been plenty of people that said, you can't do this. This isn't going to work. If you do this, this is this is a departure from destiny you know what 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 made destiny so good in its late stages and a lot of those people probably got to make others eat crow in business meetings to be you know like we told you this wasn't gonna work you guys wanted to go down the static roll route you guys wanted to make everything more accessible and casualified and it didn't work you know thank you for two months spillwell and cold as smiley i think i missed your nine month resub six months from robbie as well guys thanks for all those resubs Uh, next question. Wakey Spainley says, uh, D2 at least thrice more has, uh, D2 has at least three times more content than D1, but I still have something to chase in D1, uh, in D1 two years after the final, uh, update when I knocked down the whole season of the Drifter already. You think D2 has too much content and too little incentive? Well, one of the reasons I had hope that ultimately a lot of that hope got answered in Forsaken was I always describe this game as a a big brontosaurus, you know, skeleton. If you go into a museum and they have a big skeleton of a brontosaurus and you look at it, you're like, man, what a monster that thing was. But there's no meat on the bones. You can see right through it. It's freaking thin. Okay. Well, that's what Destiny 2 was at launch. It was a brontosaurus with no meat on the bones. I could see, I was like, man, there's so much here. If they just invested in these pockets, you know, the NPCs and the different activities and stuff, if they just invested in these things, this game could be massive. I think they are still putting meat on the bones. I think they're still attempting to build on good scaffolding. You've got you've got things like the infinite forest you've got things like blind well you've got escalation protocol all the different planets all the different NPCs then you've got the raids and the raid layers you got a lot here you have so much here that okay this is what destiny destiny 2 is a giant swimming pool with like two foot of water in it or actually no let's take it another way Whenever you go into an Olympic-sized pool, there's the deep end and there's the shallow end, okay? There are folks that don't want to go into the deep end. They just like to stay in the shallow end. Bungie basically made an Olympic-sized pool at launch of Destiny 2, and it was an Olympic-sized pool of just shallow end. There was no deep end. Everybody just kind of had to stay in the shallow waters. So there were people that were like, this is great. I like the shallow waters. I'm not a fan of the deep. I don't like going off the high dive, etc. And then the rest of us were like, we like going off the high dive. What the frick game is this? What happened to Destiny? Where's all the depth? Well, what they're doing now is, is they're trying to add depth, but the problem is there's so many pieces of that pool that are still pretty shallow, and it's not easy to just suddenly create depth. 
you just suddenly have to create like oh we're gonna go down uh we're gonna we're gonna go down into the you know into the depths of this this system here and that system there and all these are things like it's that's not an easy thing to do i think sometimes people think like oh just create loot bungie well i mean loots loot needs uh loot needs there to be loot paths there need to be perks there needs to be you know weapon testing done to make sure the guns are good and handle right and look cool and sound cool and there's so much that goes into it that at this point i think they know what needs to be done it's just a matter of you've got a lot you've got a long way to go you got a long, long way to go. Um, and I think they can do it because they've proven time and time again when they really buckle down, they can create great depth and great content. Uh, it's just a matter of it. Honestly, at this point, I don't think it's a matter of, I don't think it's a lack of vision. I don't think it's a lack of talent. I think it's time. We basically have to get into a place where Bungie has the time to do what we would like them uh, to do. We need them to be able to say, okay, this is how many years it's going to take. And once we've got the, you know, once we've got this, this amount of work done. And again, some of this comes down to building the game in an engine that can be quickly added to things can be quickly updated and changed because people are like, well, they go to the GDC and they say that their engine's so much better now and so much faster. Well, then why haven't they fixed the freaking, you know, Zer bounty? Why couldn't they fix the Zer bounty before it took place? <laughs> like, do you know what I'm saying? If the game is so agile and so much quicker for pipeline and updates and things to be changed, you know, why did the why did the aim assist on Queensbreaker last for six months? Why do you why don't why can't they update maps on in PvP? They have to take them out of the game. Why did they cancel trials? Like, there are so many things that happened in D2's life cycle that are at complete and utter odds with any claim of agility, speed, or efficiency with this Tiger engine. To go back to that initial question from the very beginning of all of this. To me, it's just so clear. It's so clear they're still dealing with archaic tools in, a, in an old engine. Uh, Krios Rising. Do you think the annual pass idea and concept is a reason for some of the conflict in the direction the company wants to take? I didn't even think about this, but this is another example of how there could be people that are like, no, drip feed isn't good. We need tentpole DLC. We need bigger campaign. Like, what if Jill Shar left as a senior writer because she's like, you guys aren't doing major campaign pieces anymore, and that was kind of what I like to do. We're not really doing that now. We're going towards another annual pass. There's no place for me here, right? If she was instrumental in Forsaken's narrative, there's less narrative now. You know, Valadius with 13 months. Thank you so much for a year plus one. Spillwell with two months a little bit ago. Thank you, Spillwell. Uh, I would I would just think that if they're going to continue to go with an annual pass with a lighter story, that could be another reason why people are like, this isn't the vision of the game that we have. Uh... Crashman, how do you feel about how Bungie breaks the game by not checking how changes they make will affect other sections of the game? And Revelry, Revelry, Grenade Spam, and Comp and Crucible. If you, listen, let's just really, let's be frank, and let's be honest here. If you think that the state of the Crucible right now is an accident, you're kidding yourself, okay? Cosmo can come out and say, okay, Cosmo can come out and say we swung too hard and he can he can he can give a little bit of a head nod to the community okay there is no way that this is an accident they didn't wake up 
a day later and go, oh my gosh, people are spamming grenades in Crucible. They know the community. They know how the community responds to power. They know how the community responds to strength. And there is literally no way Bungie was in the dark about what Revelry was going to do to the Crucible. I think, okay, they are eroding away at the idea and the identity of a competitive Crucible. They're eroding it piece by piece. They get rid of Trials. They institute Gambit. They institute Gambit Prime, which is meant to be the competitive version of Gambit. They institute, you know, the the revelry, which causes chaos in the Crucible. They offer, since Forsaken, they offer practically nothing for Crucible. Now, they did make changes to, like, comp and, and how, you know, it scores and everything. But for the most part, I believe they are eroding away at the identity of a, of a truly stripped-down competitive Crucible. I, I do. I think they're trying to lay that groundwork to say, we are going in a completely different direction with Crucible. I could be completely wrong and off the mark here, but I continue to feel like they have made decisions all along the way to d- d- pour acid on the identity of competitive. Like that's not where things are going. They, and here's and here's here's why I think this is happening. I'm I'm basing some of this off of years of Bungie pendulum swings. They do big pendulum swings. If you look at D2 vanilla PvP attempt, that was their attempt to say, here's competitive destiny, stripped down, 4v4, double primary, all the sauce, all the magic, all the speed was significantly diluted, okay? That was their attempt, and it failed. It didn't work. They didn't spawn esports. They Tournaments didn't happen. Rogue started a team and nothing came of it. Dr. Lupo gets signed to Rogue for Destiny 2. Little did he know what was awaiting him around the corner in Fortnite, but like the the vision for competitive Destiny fell flat on its freaking face and everything they've done since then has been a shifting of the pendulum away from stripped down, gun based, less magic, less speed. They've just pushed away from that. The go fast update, removal of double primaries, bringing back like one hit kills from shoulder charge putting shotguns in the secondary slot I that all of those things and then the revelry the removal of trials this is all a removal of the idea that there's going to be a truly competitive crucible and look do you think oh my gosh let's get real conspiracy theory here you think it's an accident that the pinnacle weapons they gave competitive to chase are the only weapons on console that don't have bloom and recoil and have great in-air accuracy? Do you think that was an accident too? What do you think that does? That creates something to chase, but then it creates imbalance. It creates this idea that like, this is essentially what the Crucible is going to turn into. If we give you guys power, if we give you strength, if we give you pinnacle weapons to chase, the idea of competitive just goes right out the freaking window. You just create intrinsic imbalance in the game. They've just continued to do that. If I'm misreading the tea leaves and Trials returns and they have a vision for the future of Crucible that is truly competitive, it's not going to be more space magic. It'll be less, which presently they're going the route of more, more space magic, more power, more imbalance, more sauce. That's what I, that's what I think. 
We'll, it remains to be seen. I think the future of the Crucible is bigger maps, bigger engagements, way less of a mindedness about competitive. If they do give you a truly competitive Crucible, I think it will fail because it already did fail. If they give you two separate playlists, here's the competitive Crucible in Destiny 3. It's going to be, you know, stripped down weapons and loadouts and magic and supers and exotics are all d- disabled or, or subdued or whatever the frick. If they basically give you Halo... I would think that the Destiny community after the last four years would almost universally reject that. There wouldn't be enough people in that playlist to sustain it. So the appeal of the magic and the power, I think, is where they're going. The competitive playlist and the competitive community is also significantly smaller than it's ever been and they're the hope that it would bounce back against the gigantic skyscraper leviathan that is Fortnite and apex and br that whole movement if they if they hope to like reinvigorate the competitive side of the game i don't think that there's room on the landscape for that from a spectator perspective i mean I think there's room for a really good shooter, like arena shooter. I just think it's an enormous risk, and I think right now they're that would they're they're very risk averse. They're not going to want to double down again and say. I mean, you can probably hear the meetings. We've already tried a stripped down crucible. We've already tried a neutered destiny, and it didn't work. People didn't flock to it for competitive. They didn't like it. It just it, it doesn't it doesn't work. As soon as you get people that skill expression and that speed, you immediately get jettison into the imbalance. And this is too strong. That's too strong. And then you're in a, an internal debate with the competitive side of the community. And then you hope to recapture all those people that left. You know, it's Buddha time. Thank you for four months. Uh, he got game. What is your takeaway from all the turnover at Bungie? I'm starting to get worried about the future of the game with all the devs leaving. Ultimately, my talk concluded that this is good. I, I said just a little bit ago, I would be more concerned if nobody was leaving. I think they need a unified vision, and they haven't had a unified vision, and they haven't they have had creative dissonance since 2013. It's been six years of creative dissonance, disagreement within the company about what the game should be and where it should go, and a way to get there and to get that unified vision is to shake up leadership and people in prominent positions. Uh, JP Feisty, Datto just released a video literally a minute ago saying how Titans are useless in endgame content. Do you agree with this and how do you fix it? Sorry for the long one. That's not a long question. I agree with Datto. I've been saying that for a while. We've been, we really highlighted that in the Reckoning the one day. Um, we really highlighted that in the Reckoning because the, if you play the Reckoning with a Titan, he just, he's trash and doesn't help the team, you know? He can't do Skull Nova. He can't do Rig's Tether. He can't do Shard's uh, Blades. He can't do any of those things. He can do right now the Eternal Shield, but that's only because of uh, Doomfang Pauldrons and the Revelry buff. So, d- 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 hunt- d- Hunters and Warlocks are just insanely strong. Now, there. this is a convoluted problem. I don't know if Dado touches on it. This is a convoluted problem. They have created content for... For Skull Nova and Rake's Tether. They've created content for those supers and those exotics. And then Titans are sitting over there like, I've got melting point. And you're like, that doesn't help. They, they, they just they're creating content centered around exotics that just 
arguably probably should never have been put in the game because there's like getting your super back that fast is in this game in a in a power fantasy game in a damage exchange constantly getting your super back there's nothing you can do there's so little you can do to match that benefit now i want to answer coke logic's question if tonics in the pvp are intentional why nerf luna i'll tell you why and I'm not, I'm not just trying to, like, read tea leaves and tarot cards here, okay? <laughs> what did the tonic thing do? And what did the Luna nerf do? What did they both do? They both achieved the same thing. They upset the competitive community. <laughs> now, some people might say the competitive community split on this. There are competitive guys that think something needed to be done to the Lunas and the Not Forgotten, but there are competitive guys who think, no, I actually think that they needed to help, you know, Bloom and, and Recoil and Amosis on the other hand cannons. Like, there's disagreement there. But in general, okay, the hardcore competitive guys that complained about the tonics are probably just as mad, if not more mad, about the nerf to Lunas. So, in both circumstances, you have frustrated that side of the community. Like, <laughs> it just feels so manufactured. It feels so manufactured. I, I can't not see it as being intentional. It's too consistent. They take trials away. They give almost no content. They nerf a weapon that everybody grinded really hard for right on the heels of frustrating the competitive community with the tonics. I just, I, it just seems massively, massively manufactured at this point. Coke Logic. I was most optimistic when we had roadmaps and Bungie staff responding to questions. Do you think we need another Curse of Osiris revolt to spark convention again? I would think, I agree with you about the roadmap thing. I like that. That felt good because we were all like, what the frick is going on? Bungie, this game sucks. And then they, you know, they come off the heels of the summit and they they come back and they, they say all these things. I would think, I would think that as soon as opulence is coasting down they're gonna really ramp up marketing for the next annual pass which is when they will do roadmaps update changes sandbox adjustments and talks and and speak to the community i don't think they can do that right now because bungie has to bungie has to basically hold their cards like this and be like okay you guys ready all right okay we got three aces like they gotta be like opulence and you're like Oh, opulence looks pretty good, you know? And then after that, they have to be like, okay, now you go. Oh, you thought three aces was good. Full house! Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, a royal flush! Like, they have to hold their cards close to their chest because if not, if they start talking about the next annual pass or their vision for Destiny 3, you dilute how strong those three aces look. If opulence is three aces, it's not going to look as good if you start talking beyond it. And they're, they're going to do something for Guardian Con. We don't know what. I would think they would have maybe a new game mode or you know how they're doing the six-man thing for, um, for Opulence. Opulence lands June 4th. A month later, okay, conveniently, if Opulence lands June 4th, exactly one month later is Guardian Con, they could say, we've got a new activity that we're going to be putting in the next annual pass that we think you guys are going to like, here it is. Or it'll be an iteration of Gambit. There are rumors that they're going to have trials playable. If they do that and then they do a tournament, I would watch the competitive guys, okay? I would watch Lumi and Giggs and Lil Sonic and all those homies, if they start suddenly playing again 
and seeming to like almost like warm up back warm back up the destiny which interestingly enough grenader jake just did this so we might be already seeing whispers of this they could do we're bringing back trials and do a big tournament and get all these guys to come back that to me is the most unlikely but there's already a rumor that that's going to be something happens now i i think that's incredibly unlikely i think after everything they've done to suddenly now bring back trials i just don't think so i don't now that could be a way for them to say hey we've been working really hard there's going to be significant changes to destiny come and play uh, a test version of Destiny that we plan to have on the ground in September as a as as a as a sandbox that's more fitting for trials. I I just I still really don't think that's going to happen. I would think they would just bring a new version of Gambit, maybe a new map or an activity like their six man activity from Opulence. They could bring an iteration of that as well that's going to be landing in September. I think those two things are way more likely than trials. Like those are your your three your three possibilities. Something new with Gambit, some new activity like the six man activity we're getting in Opulence or trials. I, I think trials is the least likely of the three. Um, you don't think they'll use it to showcase their new annual pass? That's what I mean to switch. The, the new gambit thing or the new activity would be pieces of the new annual pass. That's why they would be showing them. Uh, Melodic Gamer. Joe Blackburn leaving, in my opinion, not only raises questions about the revive system in hard mode, but also about how loot works. You have mentioned you wish the system for Wrath of the Machine return uh, to return with raid currency. Do you think now it's a bit more of a possibility that raid currency will return any other design philosophies that could be changed? If I could get my way, okay, if I could get my way, I would get the difficulty structure of King's Fall and the internal uh the internal the internal currency system and rerolling system of wrath if you could bring those together you'd have a perfect raid a perfect raid designing hard first dialing it down for normal in king's fall beautiful difficulty structure it's it's a magnificent work of art and then wrath of the machine lands and brings new ideas about investment and chests and a currency and a reason to grind beyond getting you know the versions of the guns if you do there's ah we're missing a third piece now we're missing a third piece so hold on tight you've got the difficulty spectrum of king's fall the internal currency of wrath of the machine those investment paths that go beyond just running it three times and then random rolls with curated god rolls the likes we haven't seen that is the perfect raid if you pull all those pieces because right now great scourge bot brought random rolls but the reward structure sucks like it's just it's almost impossible to get a full armor set right um i that's that's what i that's what i i would think is that that would be the way to go and remove revive tokens get them the frick out of the game they're terrible uh Ministeel. I got the core game for free. Well, I had to buy the extra content in the future. I'm all about PVE. I think so, but I think you could probably get almost all of it significantly discounted. Uh, Chaos Senpai. Sorry if someone already asked this. I just joined and I can't see older questions, but what in your opinion about Revelry event? Uh, what's my opinion about the Revelry event and has destroyed Crucible and the Tonic? 
revelry is fine for a free event i think it's fine the 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 verdant forest is cool but it's got some design flaws um it's not that hard to get people to go to the boss you just start jumping off every time i've match made and i start jumping off and shooting the people in there with me we go to the boss now We've had some fails, three three or four bosses instead of all five. That's kind of frustrating. People are going in with kind of crappy builds. So if you're going to do that, be prepared to really pull your own weight, really spec yourself for damage. I wasn't I was spec with like tractor cannon and Nova and I was not able to pull some we had some dead weight with us. But overall, I think the Verdant Forest is a good idea. It's truly infinite if you want it to be. Reward structures not where it should be. I would take something like the Verdant Forest, have the bosses rotate each week, have the bosses dropping potentially really, really cool weapons, and then the longer you go, the more versions of the boss you fight, the more chests that open, the more chances at the gun. You do that each week. That would be a better structure. Now, as far as it causing havoc in the Crucible, I generally don't care because I think the Crucible has been a train wreck for, you know, five years. I don't think it's been a very good experiment. I think that they've struggled. I don't think it's ever really arrived. It's always been a bit of a black eye on the franchise, and I don't really care that it's imbalanced and crazy. I I think they need to continue to to let people know that this game is changing, and I think adding more magic... Adding more magic is a way to do that. Um, But I know people that really like the Crucible are like, man, why are you so hard on the Crucible? I just don't think it's ever been a very, very good environment. I don't think it's ever... It's never arrived. It's been a going-on-five-year experiment. And we're saying the same things we said three, four, five years ago. We're, we're saying the same things. Uh, so... Uh, Gracula, do you think D3 will combine content from D1 and D2 together, including locations and raids, getting all the gear from both games? This I don't know. Um... This I don't know if it's possible. Uh, because, number one, that's a lot of work put on. They'd have to rebuild all that stuff. Because bringing D1 stuff into D2's engine needs rebuilt. If they go to a new engine, that means it all needs rebuilt. And I don't know if they're going to want to put that kind of development time into content we've already beaten. Locations? Maybe. I'll give you a maybe. Because that would be very nostalgic and that'd be a pretty good springboard. Or just a good smattering of extra content in the game. So, massive PvP hate board. I, I don't hate on PvP. I just generally don't care when the PvP community cries about imbalance. I don't care. Because they've been doing it for four years. So it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, we get it. That's too strong. Cool. Yep. Uh-huh. What is it this week? Oh, it's this. Great. Cool. Too strong. Nice. What else is going to get nerfed because of PvP? What, you know, it's been a flat tire for over four years now. And when you have some of your favorite stuff nerfed because of that flat tire, going all the way back to when I finally got the Soros regime a week after it got nerfed, to now shards of Galanor getting nerfed because of PvP. It's a bit of a sore subject. It's not that I hate on PvP. It's that, oh, the PvP community is upset about things being overpowered. Oh no, what a new concept and conversation to be had. No, it's tiring at this point. Evil the Waffler. Why are Destiny fans so picky? I enjoyed D2 at launch. I thought it was better than D1 at launch. I think people compare D2 launch and D1 Age of Triumph, which is wrong in my opinion. No. 
No, 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 no. You're glossing over a ton of foundational problems with D2. Double primary sucked, static rolls sucked, easily accessible weapons sucked, raid engrams from the clan engrams sucked, uh, revive token system and Leviathan sucked. Like, there were hum- enormous incentive and grind problems with Destiny 2. Um, it quantitatively had more than D1, but that <laughs> that ain't enough. <laughs> that ain't enough to save it. Um, the Ultra Duffmaster. Hey, Lono, the augmented weapon frames offered by Ada was one of the cooler features. I believe they added in Black Armory, but do you think this feature should have been taken further and maybe added to the Nightfall weapons? Gambit Prime and even raid weapons with maybe some of the newer perks now available uh, in, to older weapons in the game. The frame objectives could be geared towards the activity so they can be completed and then taken from the forge. This is like a paragraph of a perk idea or a a feature idea. I don't necessarily disagree with what you're saying, but I think going for random rolls in like a real intentional way, like a real intentional grind, is better than getting like a random weapon from a bounty that may or may not just be another dumb sidearm, you know? Like, how many times are you going to get a sidearm from the Dreaming City or a sword that's just garbage? You're not going to use it. If they did what you're talking about, I would want the augmented bounties to be intentional. Uh, L360. Do you think there should be a simpler method for getting faction gear? Example, from Zavala or Shax, or a new method for targeted farming for this gear to avoid the RNG influence so much. For example, I spent 3k Vanguard tokens on a service revolver, didn't get a single one. This is right in line with what I just said. Uh, This is right in line with what I just said. Um, I would think, I would think that, yeah, you, you need, um, I think you need more intentionality. I think every NPC needs a weapon bounty each week that rotates. So whenever the service revolver would show up, you'd grind strikes like crazy and hope for a good roll, and you'd get a service revolver at a pretty good interval. I think that is the future of weapon grind. I don't think dumping tokens into an NPC is a grind. I think it's stupid. It's... It just doesn't... there, There needs to be... Ada, I'm telling you, if... If there's not a TWAB or a VidDoc where they highlight the, the benefit of Ada's bounties and put them elsewhere, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna lose it. I'm gonna absolutely lose it to have such a great system only utilized in one place. If the other NPCs, if other loot pursuits don't get the Ada bounty treatment, it'll blow my freaking mind. You have so many locations and so many NPCs and so much loot that could get that treatment. If they don't do that, I'm not kidding you. It will blow my freaking mind. It would be such an easy, easy systemic value investment in Destiny. It, and you've already done it. So I'm not asking you to create something out of thin air. You've created a system that works so well and is so grindable and can be copy-pasted in so many ways I, it, if they don't do it, I'm, I'm dead serious. I've been saying this since December of 2017. December of 2017, when people were talking about the lack of grind, the lack of things to do, 
since December of 2017, I have been saying the NPCs are the single greatest underutilized potential in Destiny. They're, you're not, you don't do anything with them. You don't rank up. There's no seasonal reward. There's no, there's no, you know, there's no ornaments. None of that. It's like, what, what is the point? Of all these NPCs and all these loot pools, it needs to get, they, they all need, they all need that treatment and that investment. They've been sitting, the NPCs, in my opinion, have been sitting on the shelf. They've been sitting on the shelf for, you know, this September, it'll be two years of them just kind of sitting on the shelf if they don't use them. Ice the Axe Man, with everyone complaining, uh, with everyone complaining about Bungie being old and outdated engine, do you think moving to the Unreal Engine is the big decision that is needed? Second, my worry is that moving engines and many changes like Fortnite breaking the game too often, could that be a worry as well? I want you to just, I want you to hear this and I want you to end up agreeing with me, okay? I would rather have Destiny in the Unreal Engine. And I would rather have Bungie messing it up every couple weeks and irritating people. I'd rather have that than what we have now. <laughs> wouldn't you rather them... Wouldn't you rather be saying, slow down, Bungie, you're updating the game too much. You're making too many changes. That's a debate I would welcome with open arms over... It's been six months. Can you fix this thing like we have to hold the button down to apply a shader the queensbreakers had broken aim assist for six freaking months like i would much rather have that debate (laughs) i would rather say my gosh bungie you switch to the unreal engine and you keep breaking the game every couple weeks can you slow down on the updates and changes i would much rather be having that conversation that would be like a dream come true (laughs) that's a much more enjoyable debate now, obviously, the Fortnite community probably hears that and is like, yeah, well, you just wait because they've been trying to get it to be competitive. I mean, those two homies won that tournament. And what do you guys think? What, do you, what are your next plans? And both of them are like, yeah, we're pretty much done with Fortnite. <laughs> those guys, they get those guys get props because they had a platform and a main stage presence after winning and their feedback was we're pretty much done with Fortnite because they keep hurting the competitive scene I I had mad respect for that they weren't mean about it they weren't disrespectful they were just being frank and honest about we don't like it it isn't fun and here's why so I understand like the Fortnite community might hear me say that and be like you don't understand what you're saying Lono I, I I do because we've been on the other side of slow, slow, slow changes for four and a half years and we need a better, a better system than we have now. J. Chris, where did you get that outlaw rampage service revolver? I just pumped uh, Zavala full of coins. Lulz GG. I think that Destiny 2 has a ceiling for how much development is still feasibly, mainly due to a game lifespan. I don't see Destiny 2 being developed for another two years. What amount of content and features do you believe that is most reasonable? I believe that the next annual pass will be significantly bolstered by repurposing old content and that's how they can do it Blindwell, Infinite Forest uh, I always forget about the Forge from Curse of Osiris these are all grinds and pieces of content Escalation Protocol all of it can be repurposed even think about the Forges from Ada and the Reckoning those can be repurposed in the future too new bosses, new gear, new bounty system, etc you've got NPCs attached to those activities so who's to say that in the summer of next year Ada gets a bunch of dope new stuff and the, and the Forges all change 
they can repurpose all that content. And I know people are like, hey, recycled content. I don't know how I feel about paying for recycled content, Lono. Well, then don't freaking buy it. Like, if it's good and the gear is dope and the updates are good, then I'm willing to spend a measly $30 for an annual pass that spans 10 months and does a bunch of great changes, new loot, new content, while also having repurposed content. I'm okay with that. Ascended uh, Degenerate. Is there a reason Destiny needs matchmaking instead of a kind of recruitment chat from Warframe? Matchmaking just streamlines it. If I click on the Blind Well, if I click on the Infinite Forest, if I click on Escalation Protocol, being able to just get thrown into matchmaking is perfect because you find people in my region, my power level, and right there at that moment wanting to do it and we get thrown into it. That is much better than, in my opinion, than virtually any other option. Just get people into the game stuff together. Uh, More Cat. What do you think? Interestingly enough, interestingly enough, let's just. I made a tweet after Escalation Protocol, and I talked about how fun it was with Nine Man, and I said we need matchmaking for these encounters, and I said let's stop being romantic about what might happen and just put players in dope content. Do you want to know who liked that tweet? Christopher Barrett liked that tweet. I don't think he liked that tweet. He was like, oh, somebody likes Escalation Protocol. I think he was in agreement with me. It's like, we need matchmaking. And we got it in the Forges, and we got it in the Verdant Forest. I think you're going to see more matchmaking in more activities like that. Morecat says, what do you think will be the vision for D3? Uh, If this is too vague, then chastise me and move on. It's too vague, you idiot. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, The vision for D3 is just bigger worlds more depth that would be my hope bigger worlds bigger environments more depth i know that's vague too but think about everything that touches down on strikes boss fight environments would be bigger and you know more enormous uh you know your public spaces your sense of the the scope and size of the game and then more depth like more perks on a gun more perks in your skill tree more perks on your armor more modifications to the weapons like just today i outlined an idea that i think they need to do where you go into your weapon and there should be five perks instead of three and each perk slot should have a modification slot below it so let's say you get light mag and you want to do a mag perk that increases mag size but it slows down reload but light mag kind of cancels it out and makes it not that big of a deal well it's still not going to be that fast of a reload no worries I've got outlaw oh well what are you going to do to outlaw what are you going to do to your reload perk okay I'm going to do a reload perk that says if I land a reload mod if I land at least 50% crit shots with the mag before reloading it reloads the next mag with you know I don't know extra extra bullets or or extra like the, the front half of the mag will be stronger or something right you could you could basically just go through all the different all the different perks and choose them and then choose to modify them in some way now the only way you get that amount of depth on a weapon you've got to have difficulty spectrum because if i create a just insane right an insane role, not using high cal. I don't play PvP. I guess if I put high cal on this, that'd be kind of broken for Crucible. Um, if you had difficulty spectrum, at the low level difficulty, you'd be like, I don't need five perks and five mods. But if you go into the hardest content, you might. 
you might really need insane damage. You might really need the highest of the height of damage output and reload, etc. You might need to min-max your skill trees and your perk trees and stuff to go into the hardest content. That creates, and here's where I, here's why that matters. Here's why that matters. If a casual player looks at that and it's like, that's too daunting and confusing, it wouldn't matter because they wouldn't need to do it because they wouldn't be going into the hardest content anyway. Don't you see? Casual players would hover down in this hemisphere and they wouldn't need all that extra stuff in this hemisphere. Now they could just to feel cool, really heavily invest in all their weapons and stuff, but they wouldn't feel like they're missing out if they don't do that because you'd want it to take time to invest in a gun. There'd be a hemisphere up here of more challenging, increased difficulty, public spaces and strikes and missions and stuff, and you would feel that need to have that really, really strong stuff, you know? Because that would create that, oh, if you don't have the strongest stuff, no big deal, right? No big deal. I, I don't go up into that content anyway, so... Spartan Master. Hey, Lono, what do you think of Titans in the endgame? I already addressed Dado's video. I agree with him. Titans really suck in the endgame. Uh, Solo Deo Gloria. Do you think they're moving toward World of Destiny, or do you think in general format of sticking this format is sticking around? I think if... If the rumors are to be believed, okay? If the rumors are to be believed, and they're going to... If they're going to go more hardcore RPG, I would think they'd have to go with universe of destiny or or just call it destiny just get rid of the numbers or destiny universe or something like that and that would mean you know the game would be much bigger um but again can that be achieved in this engine i don't know uh bwf glow i heard a rumor that at guardian con this year one of the big reveals will be a new trials game mode that we bringing back in september do you think this is a possibility i already addressed this the three possibilities at guardian con I'm not ruling that out. I just think that's really unlikely. That'll be a freaking rabbit out of the hat if they do that. That's unexpected. Bugface. Uh, do you know if pinnacle weapons such as Luna's Not Forgotten Recluse Mountaintop will go away after the season ends? The quest? No, the quests are always available. Xenu uh, Ryu. What do you think about the revised Leviathan Raid coming up with the next DLC? We don't know if it's a revised. We have no idea what it is. We just know Leviathan's going to be a part of it. Farmex. Do you think the current looter shooter competition, Division 2, Anthem, uh, and coming competition in Borderlands 3, has anything to do with staff changes at Bungie? No, I don't think Bungie looks at the landscape of other games and makes decisions about their game and their staff. They're not doing it. Well, Borderlands 3 is on the horizon. We better get rid of these guys. Like, that's not, that's not how it works. That's not why these people are leaving. Evil the Waffler. Off topic, what do you think if they made quick play static loadouts so easy uh, for people and comp and iron banner you can lose anything you want and keep the hardcore happy too? No, 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 no. One more time for the people in the back. No, you can't do static loadouts. You can't do curated loadouts. People don't like that. They didn't like it in the raid layers and they wouldn't, they certainly wouldn't like it in PvP. This is why I continue to say if they gave you a truly stripped down static roll, static loadout, curated loadout, whatever, I think fans of Destiny and Destiny Crucible would reject that. That's not Destiny. I just, I do not think people would accept this. Uh, Eva the Waffler. 
Should they rotate the raids like Age of Triumph? I would love that. I would love an Age of Triumph in Destiny 2, especially if they gave us some good stuff to chase. Dat Ginger. Hey, Lona, I watch your stuff on YouTube mostly, and from your talks on exotics, you seem dismissive of exotic primaries. I don't disagree with your idea for pinnacle weapons and armor, but I think exotics are key to Destiny's identity. Uh, what, why couldn't they just pivot exotic primaries to give ability buffs or stat buffs rather than pure slaying potential? Uh, all things like bad juju, demolitious perk. I mean... I like where your head's at because you're getting at what I'm talking about, right? I don't think you're in disagreement with me. You you, you agree with me that exotic primaries generally kind of suck and don't do enough to warrant usage. They don't. When you compare an exotic primary to Telesto or the Trace Rifles or Wardcliffe Coil, Thunderlord, 1000 Voices, they're just, it's very difficult in PvE to ever justify using an exotic primary. Now, obviously, once you go into the Crucible, it's different, but in general, exotic primaries aren't strong enough, and your own suggestion admits that. So I could get behind what you're saying. It would have to be pretty dadgum significant for me to say, I'm going to put away this. One of the reasons your suggestion is good but not fitting is because the combat in Destiny doesn't dis- doesn't require that much of you. It's mostly just do lots of damage. So when you're trying to do lots of damage, you're not going to get out the Arbalest. You're not going to get out the Sweet Business or the, the Mita or any of those. Guns. If you do that, you're putting away something that is significantly stronger in your loadout. You can only kill trash ads so fast. That's a fact. You can only kill them so fast. And if you're at the ceiling of efficiency and you're killing trash ads very quickly, you ain't gonna switch to an exotic and feel that big of a difference, at least enough to put away exotic heavies. Blue Maxis. Saw your Luna nerf vid on YouTube. Sorry if off topic. Lunas and Recluse are actually pretty amazing PvE weapons. I was never good enough to get Not Forgotten, but I enjoy using Luna as a great single target damage. Uh, what could they have done to Maghal to not break it in PvE? They could have left Maghal the frick alone. I don't know. I, it, 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 <laughs> this I said in my talk, you might have heard this in the talk or in the Q&A. This is a fringe problem, but it's a problem, right? You've created a weapon and people grinded for it. And they like the universality of it because Maghal is good in PvE and it's not an exotic weapon. So they get to run it and not mess up their loadout. Well, it's an energy weapon, so they mess up their loadout a little bit because energy primaries are stupid. Um, They should just all be up at the top. So you have more secondary weapons to choose from. But in any case, they should have just left it alone. I don't even think the two taps was the main issue. The main issue is the other hand cannons on console not competing because of bloom, recoil, and in-air accuracy. So, two taps was an issue, but was it a main issue? Was it a game-breaking issue? I don't know. I Enough. I, I, just, I don't know if it was enough to completely change the way the, 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 the perk works. You know, And this is a problem with sandbox tuning. Why They couldn't go in and say... They couldn't go in and say, when Maghal procs, it gives increased head and body damage on that particular target. If they would have said that, it would have fixed those rare two taps. It would have still been great in PvE, and it wouldn't have messed up the PvP, you know. It's not going to mess up the PvP. You'll still be able to three tap because it's switching to a 150, but still. One-Eyed Penguin, thank you for your Prime sub. RPG with 13 months. I think I missed your resub. Thank you for your 13-month resub. Uh, so... M3 Voodoo, do you think the ability to reroll masterworks could be a thing? 
No, re-rolling is not a good idea. The only thing I'd be okay with re-rolling is armor type. If you get a god roll armor and it's mobile, I mean, it'll make you want to pull your hair out. You know, let's say you finally get a god roll, you know, grips of the hunt and you're real excited, but it rolls mobile. Um, you know, that's, that's a bummer. You know, you, know, <laughs> you, you, you hate to see that happen. You don't want to see that. You don't want to see that. So I would be okay with being able to go in and roll the armor type off of survivalist or whatever. Uh, or off of mobile but outside of that or maybe you like mobile armor I don't know outside of that I don't think re-rolling or reforging is good for a loot pursuit game a uh, true Rob what do you think of the idea of adding a four subclass using a taken element and introducing a new element to guns instead of adding more versions of the same subclasses hey oh I, I guess okay I don't think we need that right now but I, I don't I, I wouldn't be against the darkness subclass people have theorized about for the last couple of years. Murph Dog. Do you see or hear about the petition against Lunas Hal now forgotten nerf to keep them as they are? I haven't heard about the petition, but I said that the community was gonna be split on it. There's probably people that are really unhappy. Um You aren't a PvP player, I love you. Mobile's always what I look for. I mean, you are a PvP player and I love you, but I don't think people look for uh, mobile. I think like the highly competitive guys, I think they look for uh, re- resilience, don't they? And recovery? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> mobility doesn't do much in the game so I don't know why you're looking for mobility as a PvP player either um, <laughs> I think resilience and recovery have more of an influence over the flow of pe- player versus player environments in Destiny than mobility but maybe I'm wrong I, I thought mobility only affected sprint speed uh, I have to disagree strongly recovery is the main Mo- give- mobility gives you strafe Oh, mobility helps a ton for strafing. There we go. Okay. I forgot about that. Well, mobility is huge in Crucible. There you go. Well, then you agree with me, right? Wouldn't being able to re-roll an armor type be really nice? You get a god roll armor piece that's perfect for your Crucible loadout, but it's not mobility and you want to be mobility? You could re-roll it to mobility. So I learned something to get today. I just universally saw since the dawn of Destiny 2 coming out, most people were saying mobility doesn't do enough. Now, maybe they made changes to mobility, and I'm going off of old information. When Destiny 2 first came out, I remember hearing people saying mobility does practically nothing. So if they did an update that changed that, I just did, I wasn't aware they reworked mobility a year ago. Okay, I'm probably just going off of old information then. I've always just gone recovery resilience because in PvE, I mean, you don't really need strafing uh, and sprint speed. Chester, what are your thoughts on D3 launching on current gen or next gen? Will they lock it to 30 FPS? Can't see them making can't see them making two versions, uh, but if they did for PS4, PS5, we'll play together. Personally, I think it'll be one version for both, probably 30 FPS. Man, oh man, if you launch a 30 FPS game on the next console, it better it better look like a freaking dream world. I just, I don't know. I think more and more people are becoming privy to the idea that 60 FPS is superior, and I believe Fortnite probably helped with that. Fortnite put, you know, 60 FPS standard, you know, on, on, on consoles. I think more and more people are seeing that as a value point. Now, I could be wrong about that. Maybe not enough people have been awoken to the fact that 60 FPS is significantly better. But I will say that if enough people start to prize that, I don't know. The more and more people play really, really high fidelity games at 30 FPS, 
and then go and play another game at 60 FPS. Like, let's say they go from Fortnite or, I mean, Titanfall was 60 FPS. The more exposure they get to a 60 FPS game, the more they're going to think 30 FPS looks like butts. You know, I, I would think that would be my hope is that so many people, so many people have played Fortnite and experienced 60 FPS, okay? That when they go to 30, they'd be like, this looks like a freaking slideshow. What is this? Um, so, even 60 FPS sucks. Consoles need to be 144. I hate to tell you this, but you're freaking living in a dream world if you think consoles are going to push 144, okay? 60 FPS, they've got to get that as a standard feature on consoles. Now, yeah, I play at 120. When I watch my stream on my phone, when I'm checking for, like, quality issues... I always think the gameplay looks choppy because I get so accustomed to 120, right? I just do a standard 120 because it helps with capture. Obviously, I can go above that with my machine, but I would think that more and more people are going to say 30 looks terrible. I want 60. I don't think you're going to get 144. Um, it looks like a Game Boy. Play 11, I can go down to 60 FPS, and it's not bad. I can't go down to 30. 30 gives me a headache. I was getting 30s and 40s on God of War, and it gave me headaches. So, Murph Dog, did you hear about the petition? Yeah, did you, uh, Evil the Waffler, what if they get rid of uh, Infusion and do what Borderlands does, guns dropping at your level? I don't know if this is a good move. Maybe in the next game, but right now that would be a bad move because people are too accustomed to it. Will you play D3 if it's still Tiger Engine? I'll still play Destiny 3. Yes, I'm not going to be like, I'm boycotting if it, if it's if it's Tiger. Obviously, I'll be disappointed and worried about the future and the size of the game, but... Murph Dog. I've also heard they're looking at Oxygen SR3 and other Pinnacle weapons to buff them. Do you think this is the right thing to do? Yeah, I mean, the Oxygen's just... The biggest problem with the Oxygen is it's a scout rifle. And there's not a lot of place for scout rifles to shine in Destiny. There's a few pieces of content where scouts do okay. But I personally think all scouts need an intrinsic hip fire speed bonus or an ADS adjuster, right? So I should be able to zoom in at half range and my fire rate's faster and I click in and it takes me into full scout range and then it slows down to the true fire rate of the scout. I think we need adaptive fire rates and and ADS range on scouts because scouts in Destiny 2 have almost no context. We either need adaptive range zooming that would adjust fire rate and impact, and if they don't do that, then I just think scouts are always going to fall by the wayside. There's always. They just aren't... the agility of a bow, just if you want that style of weapon, it's just better to go with a bow over a scout most of the time. Uh, more cat. What Titan exotic would you change, and how to give uh, and give Titans a dire skull or shards? I don't. I'm not going to answer your question about what Titan exotic would I change. I don't have an answer to that. But I would say giving the Titan a, a, a dire a skull, of the dire Ahamkar or shards wouldn't be a good decision right now. Um, because the, uh, <laughs> unfortunately that they can't add more of that. I know people love their skull and I know people love Orpheus rigs and shards, but those exotics basically make every other exotic in the game look like trash. So they need to rethink what they're going to do with exotics. 
if they're going to have exotics like Skull and Shards and, and Orpheus Rigs, they probably need to dial down how effectively they give your super back. Um, and they probably should consider making a lot of the other exotics either significantly better or turn them into legendary pinnacle because so many of the exotics do nothing significant for you and they'll never get worn so they're pointless uh jp feisty do you think that the lore in the queen's court and drifter's invitation of the nine has been lacking because some of the senior writers have left i thought the writing's been fine uh, Chaos Dogma. Do you think this nerf to Luna's Howl and Not Forgotten is setting up the trial's return? I mean, it's it's possible. I, I thought it had more to do with Season of Opulence bringing another pinnacle weapon that needs room to breathe. I speculated in uh, an auto rifle for PvP. Melodic Gamer. On the topic of the Luna's Howl Not Forgotten nerf, do you think it would have been okay if they just brought the nerf changes to Luna's Howl and left Not Forgotten how it currently is? I know you're not much of a PvP player. I'm just curious. That wouldn't work. I disagree fundamentally with messing with the weapon. They should have helped the other the other weapons first. You gotta standardize hand cannons. If you got certain weapons that are getting bloom and re- bad recoil and bad in-air accuracy and other weapons that just don't experience that, that's a foundational problem that needs addressed before you even talk about nerfs and buffs. They did the wrong thing. They did it in the wrong order. If adjustments needed to be made to Luna's Howl and Not Forgotten, you should make those after you standardize how all the weapons work you have guns that lose because of rng that's you, you got to standardize the weapons first before you start messing with with pinnacle weapons that people grind their butts off for thrash with a prime sub thank you pickle rick with 13 months thank you uh salty rob during solstice event last summer i love what they did with the armor system and i think that it universally was well received why do you think a similar system has not been introduced i i don't know when i was on fire team chat i was like this is how armor should work in destiny you should invest in the armor and level it up and make it cooler do that with raids oh you got to keep running the raids you can level up the armor keep running the raids you can level up the armor and maybe change the role on it because armor is so hard to come by in raids like things like that Reaver. Lona, what do you think about Iron Banner having enhanced roles on armor like the Dreaming City? Shattered Throne and Dreaming City since the activity only comes around once a month or so. I wouldn't be against that. I would much rather see them let you enhance perks with enhancement cores. Mike Quad. What's wrong with the D1 subclass trees? I miss being able to customize everything. Truth be told, you have more now than you ever did in D1. I I just want you to really, 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 really think about this. Okay? In D1... If I was running the solar subclass, I did not have this much this this much versatility in the loadout. I couldn't run way of a thousand cuts and then this one with chains of will and then this one down here. There's actually a lot more uh, diversity. Right? There's a lot more diversity in this. I th- I think I think that that is that is a significant um that's a significant change from D1. You could pick a lot of perks, but within each subclass, there's three very different ways of playing each subclass now that you didn't get in D1. Um, now, I'm not saying that doesn't mean we shouldn't have skill tree depth. I'm just saying I actually think you have a lot more going on in this game than D1. D1, it was like, I'm running Titan Bubble, and I can make marginal differences to how Titan Bubble behaves. I couldn't get out a shield. I couldn't run Doomfang Pauldrons. I couldn't, you know, put a shield in front of people or throw a shield. Like, there's a lot more diversity within each subclass now than you had in D1. 
Uh, Unwound Admin, I read something interesting. What if the nerf to Luna's and Not Forgotten is a playtest for fixing all 150s and 140s on console? Yeah, may- maybe. Why would you do a nerf? Why would you do that though? Why wouldn't you privately p- playtest before doing that? I, I, that's that's a that makes the decision worse in my mind if that's how they did it. <laughs> that to me is worse. That to me is worse. So I, w- I would do it privately before, um, before that. So. As with all the content, guys, we're going to shift away from Q&A. If you're here li- ri- live right now and you've enjoyed the talk, be sure to click the follow button. I do this all the time with all the games I play. We're going to be doing a lot of good Borderlands stuff this week. So if you like the content, click the heart button. That's a free and easy way to support what I do. Uh, as with all of my content, I appreciate you listening or watching. Please like, share, and subscribe.